Hello, and welcome to the City Baptist Church Podcast, where our desire is to help others find meaning and mission in following Jesus. The Christmas season is here, and last Sunday's message brings a helpful reminder for us all. In the midst of all the holiday busyness, God wants us to take time to simply be still and remember why He came. Pastor Paul brings a powerful reminder from God's Word to not miss out on what He wants to do in your heart during this season. I'll do anything that I can to make sure that I don't miss out on the feelings and the traditions. I mean, we watched Home Alone this week. That's a family tradition. We got to watch that. And, uh, and thanks to Disney Plus, they watched Home Alone 2 and Home Alone 3 and uh, everything else that's out there. And, but I do all that we can, and, and people do everything that we can to not miss out on that, say, that feeling in those traditions. But at the same time, the thing that I'm realizing about uh, our society for sure, and even a lot of Christians, is that many people, while not missing out on the good vibes of Christmas, they're missing out on the true message and the true purpose behind the celebration of Christmas. Now, we're not missing out on the decorations. Don't misunderstand me. We're not missing out on all the cookies. We should maybe, right? We're not missing, we're not missing out on Michael, Michael Buble, right? Sitting next to that Netflix fire. <laughs> you know, we, we've got all of these things and we're not missing out on Christmas parties, but we're missing out on the reason that we celebrate this season. Why is that? Why do Christians even miss out on the reason to celebrate Christmas? Well, we miss out, I believe, for the same reason some people missed out on Christ's birth some 2,000 years ago. And what I want to do this morning is I want to look at two reasons as to why many times we miss out on the truth and the real reason for Christmas. And then what I'm going to do, I'm going to show you uh, the reasons we miss it, and then I'll give you some solutions to it to make sure that we do not miss out on the truth of the Christmas message. And so that's why my title is Christmas FOMO. And I actually want you to have some FOMO. Now, some of you are like, what is FOMO? FOMO means, say it with me if you know it, fear of missing out. (laughs) Fear of missing out. And so I want you to have Christmas fear of missing out because I want you to not just miss out. I I don't want you to miss out on the real reason for Christmas. Does that make sense? Because it sure made sense last night when Jeanette told me the title that I should have for my message today. (laughs) No, for real. I was like, I don't know what to call it. This is what I'm talking about. She's like, Christmas FOMO. And I thought, all right. So I changed it. You guys never know what happens. No. (laughs) Okay. So thank you for Jeanette. Uh, Jeanette, I think it's a great title. So today we're going to make sure that you have a little bit of Christmas FOMO and uh, make sure, though, that you aren't missing out on the most important aspects of the Christmas season. So let's begin in Luke chapter number two, and, uh, and we'll get through it today. Okay. Luke chapter 2, verse number 1, a chapter that I memorized in kindergarten. This entire chapter of Luke chapter 2, I won't quote it for you today, um, but it's a great passage. It says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. So it's setting the stage for what is to take place. Of course, Israel was under occupation by Rome at this time, and so to make sure that they knew uh, who their subjects were, they required that everyone return to their home city where they were born, uh, because that's where the records were kept, so that they could take a census as well to tax the people and to make sure they would go out all throughout the year and work, but they would always knew that there would be a time of taxation, and so they were brought in, and 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 so everyone went to be taxed to their own city. Verse 4, And Joseph, a familiar name, also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, 
unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Why did he go to Bethlehem? Because he was of the house and lineage of David, King David. Why? To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, who was great, being great with child. Verse 6. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Here's the key phrase, because there was no room for him, for them, in the inn. Now, this is a familiar story, of course. It's the Christmas story. Uh, after the angel appeared to Mary and Joseph, declaring that Mary would be with child of the Holy Ghost, fulfilling a prophecy uh, some 700 years prior to that. Um, sure enough, it all happened, and God was true to his word, and Mary became pregnant. But unfortunately, when she became pregnant, and they did the calculation like we always do, and you find out when the due date is, they realize, man, we got to go to Bethlehem for taxation. I'm sure it began to stress her out immediately at that moment. Well, finally, the time had come, and sure enough, she was great with child. They had to go to Bethlehem. Uh, it would have been a bit of a journey for them. Uh, I have never been pregnant before, and... Um, but I can imagine it would be difficult to travel and, and uh, especially a long distance in that day. Well, they finally get to Bethlehem, but then immediately Mary goes into labor. And there's all sorts of things involved with labor. And that all happened. And she went into labor when they got there to Bethlehem. And it sent Joseph into a bit of a panic. Now, I'm just reading into the story a little bit. But being there myself, when my wife went into labor, I know that panic that sets in, especially for the first one. By the fourth one, it's like, eh, you want to go out to eat? Like, we'll just take our time. But by that first one, man, it's like, we, we got to get to the hospital. And uh, you can imagine, he would have been... I mean, panic. What do I do? Mary, of course, would have said to him, well, you booked that room months ago, like I mentioned to you, right? So we're all golden. And he's like, no, I thought there'd be plenty of room. And so let's just go to the Holiday Inn. And so they go uh, to this Holiday Inn of Bethlehem. And when they get there, the innkeeper comes out and he's banging on the door. My wife's in labor. Uh, you know, can we please have a room uh, for the night because we want to give birth to our baby in your hotel? And, uh, and the innkeeper tells him that there is no room at all in the inn. There's no vacancies. It's the taxation season, man. Come on. Why didn't you call ahead and book a room? And Mary's like, I told you to call ahead and book the room. And he said, I thought there'd be plenty of room. But the innkeeper comes here and he says, no, there's all these people here for the census. And man, that would have been difficult. It would have been, th think about the stress level of Joseph at that moment. <laughs> and Mary, I mean, sitting on a donkey or standing there just like, I'm about to have a baby, the stress level. I mean, it would have been, it would have been tremendous. But to the innkeeper, it was great. Think about the innkeeper for a moment. It was great. Business was booming, wasn't it? <laughs> for him, he could care less that he had to turn him away because he had a hotel packed full of people and he was going to meet his quota for the month. I mean, he was good to go. He had a, he had a full place. If you own a hotel, that's what you want, right? You want every room booked every single night. I mean, that's all good news. And for him, life was good. Life was full. So for him to turn away this couple, he really didn't care all that much because he had everything was taken care of. He was super busy and, uh, and he had an awesome, uh, really an awesome opportunity at that time. But, and he didn't realize, this is what I want you to get, he didn't realize what he was turning away. And I believe it's because and, and I, I don't think we're reading into it too much to say this, but it was because he was so busy, he had a full hotel that it didn't really matter to him to look into what was going on here. He had no idea. And because he was so busy, because his hotel was booked and he had so many things going on in his life that he missed out on the Messiah, the one that he had been told about from a child. He missed out on the Messiah being born in his hotel. <laughs> he was excited to have 
his hotel and his place booked up for the census, but I think he could have had his place booked up for the rest of his life. All he had to do was hang a sign outside that said the Son of God was born here. <laughs> but he missed out on that. He missed out on that. And he missed that first Christmas because he was distracted. He was too busy to take notice of what was actually happening. And that's my first thought for us today. See, we often miss the truth of Christmas just because we are too busy. Today's going to be a very, very simple message. We often miss Christmas just because we are too busy. Now, for me and my family, the Christmas season is extremely busy. In my family alone, I want you to get this, in my family alone, in the month of December, we have birthdays in my extended family on December 21st, 23rd, 25th, 27th, January 1st, and January 2nd. That's just birthdays. <laughs> so pray for me as I have to buy presents for all of this family, you know? That's just birthdays. That doesn't include Christmas and everything else. And so you can imagine it's birthday celebration after birthday celebration. Actually, there's another one just uh, my niece had her birthday on Friday. So that was the, whatever that was, 13th, 13th, 21st. I mean, that's a lot. So we're traveling around. We're going uh, to all that. Like I mentioned uh, this year, my brother and his wife and his seven kids are coming uh, to uh, coming up here for Christmas. Uh, my grandma's here today. She's up here for the Christmas holidays. My brother will be in church next week. So you please just treat him nicely. Uh, he'll be here with all his kids over here next week in church. And, uh, and so we've got all of these things planned. We have, uh, besides that, we have Christmas parties at church and uh, friend get togethers. And what happens for me anyway is that I get very overwhelmed with the whole thing very, very quickly, very quickly. And uh, the whole season, the whole month of December becomes, for me anyway, just about rushing around and uh, making sure we got enough gifts, making sure we got enough cars, making sure uh, there's, uh, there's food. And, and, and often what happens, besides the fact of preaching Christmas messages and prepping for the new year uh, as a church, besides all of that, um, I find that I don't often take enough time to slow down to make room in my schedule, uh, in my own heart or in my own mind for the truth of the season. David said it this way in Psalm chapter 10, verse 4. He said, it's the wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. Then he said this at the end. He said, God is not at all in his thoughts. God is not at all in his thoughts. And that's the reality of Christmas in 2019 is that we often have so much that is going on in our lives that we don't have time for God even to be in our thoughts because we're just so busy. We see that there with the story of the, uh, the innkeeper. But secondly, I think we miss out on the truth of Christmas because we're just too familiar. We're just too familiar with the story. Here's what I mean by that. If you've been to church at any length of time at all, you know the Christmas story. <laughs> You know every aspect about it. You could probably relate most of it back to me. You've heard Christmas messages your whole life. You know the songs. You know the traditions. You're so familiar with anything. And the problem is, is that we become so familiar with it that it doesn't amaze us anymore. Do you remember what it was like when you first got your driver's license? Remember what that was like? I remember that so clearly. I, was, uh, I had my learners and I was 16. I was 17. I got my license. And uh, when you get your license for the first time, it is like the best thing ever, isn't it? I mean, you love, you love it. You love driving. In fact, I would look for opportunities to drive. 
Like, oh, mom, you want to go to the store? I'll drive you. Like, I never wanted to go to the store with my mom. But when I got my license, because I drove the van, you know, and, and it was a fun thing for me. And I would just plan things just so I had to drive. If somebody's like, hey, who wants to drive? I'll drive. Volunteer. My gas bill was way up. You know, of course, back then we paid 35 cents a liter for gas. Wasn't that a, man, that was such a good day. And uh, back then, and, and, uh, and I would drive and I loved it. But you know what? Over time, what happens? The joy of driving <laughs> kind of wanes, doesn't it? Especially when you get that first job where you have to commute 15 or 20 minutes. It's like, oh, this is, oh, I got to drive. Or, or you have to make long drives and it loses its, uh, its newness. When you're, when you're new driving, you're, you, I mean, you, you think about driving when you're not driving. And, and you're like, oh, I just want to go somewhere. I want to get out. I want to have this freedom. But after it loses its newness, you don't get that same feeling of excitement. You know, when I buckled in all the kids uh, to come to church this morning and I sat down in the driver's seat, I wasn't like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I get to drive to church. I didn't even, I went on autopilot almost, and that can be dangerous as well when you're driving. But, uh, but I just, it, it, I begin to just sort of take it for granted. It becomes even a chore. You even begin to dislike it. But yet when you started out, you had this incredible joy. Now, that happens often with the things of God, doesn't it? And I would even say things like Christmas. There are elements of Christmas that we love so much, but when it comes to remembering the purpose of it, when it comes to really holding it in our hearts and, and being encouraged with it, it loses its newness. And what happens is that we make the same mistake that the religious leaders made when it came to the arrival of the Messiah. Now, I'm going to go to uh, Matthew chapter number two. You can turn there with me. In Matthew chapter 2, where we pick up the story when the wise men arrive in Jerusalem seeking uh, the king. They had seen the star, of course, and they arrive in Jerusalem. Now, we believe this to be somewhere close to two years after the actual birth of Jesus Christ. There's many different reasons for that. I, I won't uh, talk you through that whole thing right now. But even two years later, God had a plan and things were happening. And so we see in verse number 1, it says, Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. This is what they said. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Now, they were standing in front of Herod. He was the appointed king of Jerusalem at that time. And they came uh, and they said, where is this king? They went to the capital and they said, where is he? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Now, there's a reason that all Jerusalem was troubled because they knew how crazy Herod was. <laughs> they were concerned. Somebody just came in claiming, where's the king of the Jews? Oh, man, this is going to be bad. And sure enough, verse number four, and when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes together, he demanded of them. So that gives you his attitude. Herod got them together and he demanded of the chief, chief priests and scribes and he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. That's Micah, Micah chapter 5, verse number 2. Uh, and, and then they quote what Micah said. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. So when these guys show up from the east, from Persia, we believe, uh, arrive with their story about the star and they're seeking the king of the Jews, they go to Herod. Uh, of course, Herod wanted to know what was up. He's not okay with another king of the Jews being born. And so he demanded of them, he said, where or when did you see this star? Uh, where was it? They said, we don't know where it is. We just know when we saw it for the first time. And, um, and then he brought in these priests and scribes and he demands of them. He says, where is this king of the Jews supposed to be born? And this is where it gets so interesting to me. This is where it gets so interesting to me. Did you notice how they answered? He demanded and they're like, oh, he's Bethlehem. It's going to be in Bethlehem. That's what's going to happen. 
Oh, yeah, there's a prophecy like 700 years ago. No biggie, we know it. We, he's going to be born there uh, in Bethlehem. That's where it's going to be. Now, to me, I'm like, what is happening here? These are the religious leaders of the day. These are the ones who had dedicated their life to call for the return of the Messiah and pray for the return of the Messiah. And then this group of guys shows up and said, we followed a star from the east and it brought us here. We're seeking the king of the Jews. You know, why wasn't it like, oh, yeah, I'll be back in one second. And then it's like, you know, donkey like galloping out of there in dust as they're headed to Bethlehem to check it out. Why were they like, you know, excuse me for a second and just do, 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 all you hear is footsteps, you know, running to go and see uh, what was happening. They didn't even go and check it out themselves. They didn't. They're just like, oh, it's going to be over there in, in Bethlehem. Now, I mean, for centuries, they had been waiting for this promised Messiah. And especially these religious leaders, they, they would have been discussing it. They would have uh, studied it out. They would have debated it. They would have known everything that there was to know. But within their theology and within their knowledge, there was no room for God at all. They had tons of traditions about the coming of the Messiah. They had tons of ideas about how it was going to happen. But eventually what took place in Israel among the religious elite, you could call them that, what had happened is that they paid more attention to the tradition than they did to the actual message of the prophecy. Does that sound familiar to you? <laughs> it does to me. Because we pay so much attention to the traditions, to the things that we have set up, rather than the actual message. And so today we have the same pattern. We have great traditions, both in the church and without the church. And we sing songs, you know, joy to the world, the Lord is come. Jesus Christ, the newborn king. We sing, we sing all of these great lyrics. And I, I love, one thing I love about Christmas is going to a store and hearing like theology, you know, through the speakers about Jesus Christ coming to this earth. And, and I love hearing that aspect of it. And of course, but people don't even consider it. They just hear it and it's just a thing. And they don't investigate the reasons. They don't investigate what they're hearing. They don't go to see uh, the savior of the world. And no matter how many lights that people put up on a tree or on their house, they're like those in Ephesians chapter four that had their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. And as Christians, we got to be so careful because often we miss out on a connection with God. We miss out on remembering what God has done for us just because we're just so familiar with the story. We're so familiar with it. And what I want you to see from these two examples here is that it is possible for us to miss out on the real message of Christmas because we're so busy with things that are going on and because it's just too familiar to us. It's like, ah, this is what we do. This is our thing. And we just go right along and we sit in church and we hear a message about it. And we're thinking about dinner and we're thinking about, you know, what we're doing on Christmas Day. And we're thinking about basketball games and we're thinking about shoes and we're thinking about all of these things. But we're missing out on what God wants to teach us. And so for the rest of the message, I want to take some time and just ask the question then. So what can we do about it? What do we need to focus on to make sure that Jesus is at the front of everything that we do. So I'm going to give you two simple thoughts and we'll finish up today. Two simple thoughts that I believe can help you as we walk through this Christmas season to keep our focus where it needs to be. Number one, I would say this, don't fill your life with less important things. Now I want to give a, a disclaimer here. Uh, the things that I might mention here uh, have varying levels of importance to all of us. But the, the issue here is filling up our life. Filling up our life with things that are not as important as Jesus Christ. Practically speaking, 
If we are going to beat the busyness of the season that keeps us from seeing God, then we're going to have to take some steps to make room for Him in our lives, make room for Him in our schedules. We live in such a high-paced and busy uh, lifestyle, and often we become so focused on making a living that we forget to make a life <laughs> that is connected with God. In other words, there are more, there's more to life than just rushing around. It's more to life than just rushing around. And sometimes we get it so mixed up. We think that uh, activity, well, I would say this, activity and productivity are not the exact same thing. And if we're not careful, we just fill our days with work and other activities. And then any free time that we have, what do we do? We stream a show to watch. <laughs> oh, I got 20 minutes. Boom, I'm watching another episode. I got whatever. And we fill our lives with all of the just constant media, constant uh, just filling our life. And, and it's a tragedy is that we become so busy or too busy to even connect with God during these seasons. So what's the answer to it? Well, the answer is found in Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know. This is God's chill out verse to us. <laughs> this is God's take a chill pill and just relax for a minute. Be still. I'm afraid that we don't know how to be still anymore as, a, as, as humans. We've, it's, it's been, I don't know, it's been trained out of us where you feel like that we have to always have something going. We have to always, have, uh, always uh, uh, be, be doing something. One philosopher said it this way. He said, all of men's problems come from our inability to sit still. Now, I don't know if we can trace all of our problems to that inability, but I, knew, I do know that a lot of our problems are stemmed to that. We're such a hurrying all the time. We're trying to keep up. And I think it's because it's misplaced identity. We identify ourselves based off of what we do rather than whose we are. And that's a struggle that we constantly face. And it's more about what we do. And so because we think that our identity or our worth is found in what we do, we continually to add more things to do to our life. And we feel like we're not accomplishing something if we just have a moment to be still. That's one of the things I've been pursuing personally a lot more in my life in the last several months is just being still and reflecting and taking moments just to connect with God. Rather than being like the innkeeper who's just all filled up and there's no vacancy, there's no room in our lives at all for God. And sure, we go to church, I get it. Even during Christmas, we go to church maybe a few more times. But if you compare it to the vast amount of media consumption, it's, it's a blip on the screen of, of, of your week. And I think sometimes we miss out on God speaking to us simply because we're too distracted. I, I find it so interesting that God chose to announce the birth of his son to shepherds. You think about that? I mean, shepherds were like the lowliest of professions. Some people even felt that they were worse than criminals, if you can be that. Uh, that's how they related to them. I mean, shepherds were the worst. <laughs> that's how people treated them. But yet God chose to tell them first about his son. And I think one of the reasons was, is that they would listen. <laughs> they, were actually, they were out there in the night. It was still, it was quiet. And they would actually listen to what uh, God was trying to say. And when they listened to what God said, what I love is that they acted on it. So I want to encourage you during this busy season of Christmas to take some time to evaluate all that you are doing and maybe be willing to eliminate some of the less important things to make room, to make time for God in your schedule, to make time in your life for God. It may be that you need to put away your phone and pick up the Bible. That's like the simplest thing. I was talking with... Uh, 
Uh, all of us have this great, uh, if, whether you're Android or Apple, you have this uh, app on your phone. Behind the scenes, it calculates how much time you spend on your phone. And I was talking with one of my friends this week, and he was figuring out that he was spending like on an average three hours a day on his phone. That's after he cut things out of his life. Like he, he had turned off a bunch of stuff. Still, three hours a day that he was on his phone, on his device. And we're like, I can't find 15 minutes to spend alone with God. <laughs> so it may be that you need to make some adjustments that way. Put away your phone. Maybe uh, spend some time. Parents, maybe you need to take the time to read the Christmas story with your children. I've shared it with you guys before. We do it on Christmas morning. Before we open any presents, we sit down and we read Luke chapter 2. And we go through the Christmas story with the kids and we talk about it. And yes, they're antsy. And yes, they want to open presents. Um, but we just say, no presents till we read the Bible. And then they just grow a love for the, love for the word. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what I mean, right? We make, we, that's been our whole life for them. That's tradition for them. They, and, and yes, they do kind of push it. Let's read, let's read. But I, you know, we take the time and we slow down. But reading the, the Christmas story, you don't have to do it at that point, but do it at some point. Uh, we need to take the time maybe to teach your children that it isn't just about the presents. Uh, make sure you redeem this time that you have as an individual. A lot of us get extra days off during the holidays. And it's not just like, so we can watch basketball for 18 straight hours um, or, or just, you know, binge watch uh, Lord of the Rings, although that's a worthy uh, <laughs> attempt. I think it takes two days, I think, to do it, from my experience. Um, <clears throat> but finding some time to redeem it. Hey, take the extra time to connect with people that are important to you. How often do we say, man, I really miss this person. I really, I haven't even gotten to spend any time with them because we're just so busy. Take the extra time to reconnect and build relationships and connect with your church family and people and things that matter, things that make a difference. But if you're going to do that, it's going to mean eliminating maybe some things that are less important. Maybe it is giving up that movie night so that you can spend it with friends and, and connect with family, whatever it may be. Maybe it is uh, not, uh, uh, not, involved, not being as involved maybe in something or staying away from an office party or whatever so you can spend that quality time with your family. Uh, and just connecting with the Lord and, and reminding yourselves about it. And so don't, don't fill your life with less important things. But secondly, I would say just remember and share why Jesus came. It's a great focus for us to have during the Christmas season. Christmas is a wonderful time because whether they know it or not, the ungodly world does set aside time for us to focus on the good news of Christmas. You say, what good news? Well, in Luke chapter 2, the angel said unto them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. I don't care how you translate it. That's good news right there. Which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Why was this such good news? Well, John 10.10 10 tells us that the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life, Jesus said and that they might have it more abundantly. See, the good news is that we have a Savior, and not only does He want to give us eternal life, but He wants to give us life abundant here on this earth. That's life to its fullest. And God came to the flesh, or came in flesh to this earth as a man in order to give us this eternal life. As John read earlier, John 3, 17, for God not, sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. See, this is what Christmas is all about. And sometimes I get it. We get so caught up in the little details of the story. I was thinking about some of the things that we focus on when it comes to the Christmas story. You know, like what kind of straw was in the manger? And we wonder about that, you know, and, and how many shepherds can comfortably fit inside a stable? <laughs> you know, like how many, I wonder how many there were and they could fit if we lined them all up. Like how many shepherds were there that day? You know, what was a Joseph's tax rate as a single engaged carpenter? 
Like, well, I wonder what he was paying in taxes. You know, how many angels does it take to fill the sky <laughs> when they came? And, uh, uh, you know, just how pagan is a Christmas tree? Like, how, on what scale of pagan? How pagan is it? And we wonder, <laughs> was the historical Saint Nick a real person? And, you know, we wonder all of these things. And, and uh, we miss out on the single powerful truth <laughs> is what I'm trying to get across here. We miss out on the single powerful fact that God clothed himself in human flesh. He preserved his perfect sinless nature through the virgin birth and all for the specific purpose of dying a criminal's death on a Roman cross for your sin and for mine. That's what it is in a paragraph right there. That's the truth. All of the details, all of the, the things that we try to figure out and we try to, to look at and try to understand and or have heard over the years, you have to remember that the true meaning of Christmas is a message that we can proclaim. It's very simple. You don't have to get out and shout at people who have lights or have Christmas trees or whatever. You don't have to do anything at all. Just proclaim that Jesus Christ came to this earth to save you and save me. That's why he came. That is the powerful message uh, of Christmas. And we cannot miss out on the fact that Christmas, the Christmas season is a great opportunity for us to share the word of God with people. Um, to share with them why we are celebrating, to point them to Jesus Christ. If you want to have fun, take four boys and go to the store by yourself sometime. I have four. I'll lend you at any time you want if you just want to have fun. And so there's been a couple times I've been to the store lately and I have all the boys. And do you know what happens at Christmas time when you go to check out? you know what happens? Uh, the, the cashiers or people in the store, uh, what they always say, they, they, they always come to them, what is Santa going to bring you for Christmas, you know? And, uh, and my kids are always, especially Miles, Santa isn't real, you know? That's his, <laughs> that's his uh, and, and that happened recently to me, and uh, this person just gave me like, like, just gave me this weird look, you know, and how dare you, what a terrible parent you are, and, and, uh, and gave me a dirty look, but you know what, that opportunity which happens all of the time during the Christmas season, is an opportunity for you and for me to uh, tell them <laughs> that we want to make sure, this is what I would say, I want to make sure before anything else, I want to make sure my kids are thankful for where their gifts come from. <laughs> I want to make sure that they're thankful and recognize that it's family and friends, you know, and I want them to be thankful to those that are kind and generous to them. And then I always say this, we also want them to know the real reason that we celebrate Christmas. And I'll just throw this in there. It's because Jesus Christ came to this earth and he came for you and for me so that we could have eternal life. And that's an opportunity right there. That's an opportunity right there. And I tell them that as a family, we celebrate the birth of Christ. And all of us are going to have moments to share our faith this season. Whether it's singing a Christmas carol and uh, you look around your office and they're all singing, you know, Christmas carol. And you're like, you guys have no clue what you're singing about. That might be an opportunity for you to say something. We'll all have moments, but unless we're remembering it ourselves, the moment will pass us by. So you've got to have it in your heart that this is what it's all about. And then if you really have that in your heart that this is what it's all about, when those moments come to share, you will share your faith. See, the simple message uh, that I believe is seen in this, or that I, that I want you to get today, if you don't really get anything else, is found in Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 15, where Paul said to the church there, he said, See then that you walk circumspectly. That means very carefully. Walk carefully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Here's what I want you to get. Don't be so caught up in the busyness that you miss out on the joy and the truth of the season. That's what it means to walk circumspectly. Walk carefully. Walk through life. Walk through this season, remembering what it is, and then redeem the time that we have. That means the extra time off, the time with family, the time in extra church services, the time, uh, uh, whatever it may be, the extra time, redeem it, meaning making, make it valuable to you. Make it valuable to your family. 
because we don't know how many Christmases we've got left <laughs> in life or in this world until, you know, the government cancels Christmas, you know, and uh, I, don't, I'm just, <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen. But uh, let's redeem the time and remember and share the truth of the season. I think this is how you can get through the Christmas season and how you can have Christmas FOMO a little bit. <laughs> don't miss out on it. Remember and redeem the time. We hope today's message was an encouragement in your relationship with Christ. To stay connected with us, you can like us on Facebook or give us a follow on Instagram at Van City Baptist. Our prayer is that God will uniquely bless and grow you as you pursue His will for your life.